Well, uh, first of all, may I say that those of you who were here four years ago uh, felt in full over ash. I understand that a tour has been arranged for you for for the house and for the gardens, I hope, as well, because uh, the, garden, the wall garden at the present time is probably at its best, so I hope that you have an opportunity of visiting there, and also, I think, as well as that, we have the new installations that we've made, the piece of sculpture that Spin and I commissioned uh, to honour those who... The, founding of the, the, the 1916 and also with the planting of some birch trees to honour the signatories of the proclamation and then across from it there you'll see the Starry Plough which is a tribute to Shona Casey and the Citizen Army. I hope you get an opportunity uh, of visiting. I, As I said, if you have been here before, four years ago, you're most welcome back. And also, for those of you who have not been here before, may I say you're very, very, very welcome. Uh, I'm the ninth president of Ireland. Uh, the first president of Ireland was Douglas de Hither, uh, Dr. Douglas Hyde. And it's very interesting. We will, in a few weeks' time, uh, be publishing the English translation of his visit to America, Mochrosk America, my trip to America. Uh, Dr. Douglas Hyde was the founder of the Gaelic League. His main emphasis was on the importance of the survival of the Irish language, the distinctiveness of Irish culture. So, in honour of Dr. Douglas Hyde, I use Irish every day here, so if I may, in our ancient 5,000-year-old language, say to Firkin Fulcher of Galeer, Gudi Chokhan Uktron, Arson Uktron, Esta Sulam, Gwilshevig Wenchanov, Asar Kurt Kudi Antirsha, Agas Gambuikas Leva Sakt and Midita Jantha Gita Kuluda Neheri Nikarlar, or Seroni Katoskapi or Futundan. Translating, I'm just saying that how welcome you all are and how grateful I am as President of Ireland for all that you have been doing for deepening and sustaining the connection that exists between Ireland uh, and the United States. Sabina and I were uh, really, we will, I will be visiting New York, I think, and Monday next I visit the United Nations. And I'm also, I think, giving a, a lecture at, on Tuesday at the New York University. And then I will be at the UN, and then after that I will be speaking at Fordham University. My daughter, Alice Mary, Senator Alice Mary Higgins, studied for four years at the New School for Social Research. We often visited. My, one of my sons is currently at New York University, setting up their international program. So we have many connections. All I have to say about New York, quite frankly, in many cases, everything happens in New York. <laughs> and then, really, whatever your interests are, they will be, they will be met. I had the warmest, warmest memories myself. Of, uh, at the end of my first period in st postgraduate study in the Midwest, going back to visit my friends in different parts of, of New York City. And I want to say as well, that I want to say immediately to, to Michael Cusick and, and to all the American Irish Legislature Society of New York of how much your work is treasure, how much your work is appreciated and uh, how important uh, we regard it. It's uh, a long time since 1973, but since that founding, yeah, the amount of work has been very, very inspirational. 
I sometimes think about when I, uh, we, I often think here in Ireland, people must realize the, the different ways by which people have come to be living in the United States. Uh, before the famine, uh, 1815 to 1845, uh, a million Irish let, went to the United States. It's very interesting, 1789 had been the, the United Irish Revolt, but also by 1800, the, after the Act of Union, which led to the systematic destruction of Irish industry, uh, there was uh, a general feeling that the country was finished. So between 1815 and 1845, you had migration from South Ulster and North Munster. It's described by historians as a, an immigration that was Protestant and prudent because people were able to pay their fare. It was about 15, about at that time, they, they established themselves quickly in cities like Boston and New, and, and New York. But they are well established, so when the great tidal wave of immigration comes after the famine of 1845 to 1847, they are a very different group of people who are coming. The first wave have established themselves in certain, their property owners by the time 1845-7 happens, but by after 1847, uh, when our, our population is decimated, to give you an idea, we moved from uh, we lost we from a population of over eight million uh, to a population of, of of just over three. We have a million people dead. We have two point one million people uh, uh, have left to the United States between uh, eighteen forty five and nineteen twenty one. So you have this tsunami of Irish then arriving, uh, and they are in different conditions and. There's a great emphasis on education, as I'm looking at the biographies of all of your families, which is immigration, both in fact to exit from, uh, from the lower socioeconomic groups and from poverty, but also to participate. And thus, if the first wave of the Irish before the famine had established themselves in a traditional way, it is through city hall politics and particularly the services, the fire services, the police services, and all of the things that are associated with civic and public life. So I want to say, and we take none of it, all that you have been doing since 1973 and long before that, all that the Irish have been doing in the United States is not taken for granted for a second. At the moment, it gives you an idea of the kind of country that you're visiting. In 1901, of all the people born on the island of Ireland, the majority lived outside of the island of Ireland in 1901 as a result of immigration. So therefore, our new circumstance where we're in fact receiving population rather than losing population is quite new historically. There are 70 million people internationally who claim Irish connection, 36 million of them in the United States. And I think that some of you, uh, looking, I was looking at the biographies, uh, represent, if you like, the third or fourth generation of Irish Americans. And I must say that that is, uh, um, I'm very proud of the contribution uh, that you have made and the contribution that you had. Let me say as well, you wouldn't have an Irish president standing here uh, in an independent country if it hadn't been for the continuing interest of Irish Americans in relation to Irish independence. Remember, a population in 
incredibly weakened after centuries of struggle, but then after the famine, people have had died of hunger and so forth. Uh, it's very, very interesting. Nancy Pelosi, when she visited me recently here, I quoted her something, and it was very interesting. I had said to her how during the Irish famine, some people in the London Times editorial said, this maybe is a visitation upon the Irish, uh, and so on, an act of God. And then you had others that it was a kind of, that the Irish were people who were maybe perhaps not able to look after a country, that we were lesser people, and so forth. And then, uh, within, I think, 1860, the Times of London, at this stage, two millions of people have, from Ireland have gone to the United States. And they write a new editorial, and they said, if this goes on as it likely is to go on, the United States will become very Irish. So in Ireland there will still be, but on a colossal scale and in a new world, we shall only have pushed the Celt westwards they no longer cooped between the Liffey and the Shannon. He will spread from New York to San Francisco and keep up the ancient feud at an unforeseen advantage. We must gird our lions to encounter the nemesis of seven centuries' misgovernment. To the end of time, a hundred million spread over the largest habitable area in the world and confronting us everywhere by sea and land will remember that their forefathers paid tithe to the Protestant clergy, rent to the absentee landlords, and a forced obedience to the laws which these had made. So therefore they realised in many cases that the forcing of the Irish through immigration and so on, that the narrative would not be allowed to die. And thus, <coughs> indeed it was so, because at the end of the 20th century, at the end of the, when you're coming up to 1900, the Gaelic League is founded, and among the places which, in fact, the first president of Ireland, as he would later be, in 1938, Dr. Douglas Hyde, gave these very long six months in the United States, gathering money for to keep, if you like, the Irish language and Irish culture alive. And therefore it is only appropriate that as I mention this, that I say how grateful I am for all that you have d done in relation to the work of the Irish Arts Centre, and indeed the new Irish Arts Centre and Health Kitchen, which I'm to visit. The city of New York contribution is just under 37 million, plus the site which was given, which is deeply appreciated. And also, while I know that Ireland, the Irish government, the Department of Foreign Affairs, is just over 6 million, I think it is put in, about 8 million from the Irish government and all, and there is much more needed. But when I think today that there are 40 class adult and children's classes in the Irish language, Irish culture, Irish dance and whatever, that's the direct connection that you have and an unbroken connection between the first president of Ireland, long before he was president of Ireland, visiting the America to make the case uh, for Irish culture. And Irish culture is not an exclusive thing. It would meet other cultures and gain from the intersection. And thus today what you have in the contemporary world is a bond, a mixture together of American ideas and values and Irish culture. And, and I very, very much, uh, I very much value this. And the life and the vibrancy that is there in New York whenever I've had the opportunity of visiting these days more formally. But I remember all those other days uh, uh, as well. I think as well, I just want to say as well, that in, uh, in relation to the specificities that were there, I think the Irish were welcome. I, when I, I spent um, uh, 20 or 30 years in, in, the, in the legislature myself, 
Let me say immediately, it is very, very important. To whom do the people turn with their complaints? To who do they turn with all their... They turn to those they elect. And those they elect, in fact, are far more courageous people than cynics who stay on the ditch and, in fact, know what's wrong with everything but take none of the responsibility for making the changes. I think... um, I do say, therefore, today is that over those years, those decades when I was a member of the Learned and member of the Senate, and many visits I made to the United States, I deeply appreciate you, not just your interest in the successful Irish, but also in the vulnerable Irish and those who have been looked after uh, by different welfare organisations, and particularly those who are now insecure. Uh, those who at different times as they would be referred to out of status or those whose documentation is, is perceived as deficient in one way or another. All I know is that those Irish I have met in whatever circumstances they've been in are people who have been very proud to work and pay taxes and be part of the society and the communities of which they are a part. I think as well that nearly all of what I have been saying now in relation to the background to the Irish connection with the United States and with New York is available too in your, in your American Heritage Museum, which is a very, very great initiative since the, uh, since the 1980s. I do think as well the fact that young people from University College Cork who are taking advantage of, for example, of the Thomas M. Whelan III Assembly Internship Programme is a very, very good idea. I think the more we know each other, the more we meet each other. And I think as well in the contemporary cultural area, in music and theatre and dance, it's very, very important. As well, which is a very great, and I'm sure you welcome it, we are now in a position where Irish companies are establishing themselves in the different states of the United, of the United States. I, was, I think implying something at the order of about 150,000 people at the present time. There are 55 United States companies implying just over the same number here in Ireland. These are things we will do together. But then, as I have been describing, maybe what globally, I always know that New York itself, and where you represent your Senate districts, is that you are on the ground, and there you will have not just you will have an Irish Council Centre in Utica, and you'll have immigration centres in Yonkers and Queens and the Bronx and elsewhere, and that is where, in fact, the people who are growing as it were, into the maturity of years in New York, will be meeting their friends and uh, experiencing Irish culture. So therefore, that is why it is such a very, very great pleasure as President of Ireland to welcome you to the home of the President again. I just want to thank you for all you have done, uh, to thank you all you have done in relation to keeping the story of Ireland and continually reinventing it and adding to it and enriching it, but very particularly as well what the generosity that you show. We are a migrant people. We Irish people have been going all over the world since the very, very beginning of time. It's one of the great advantages we have here when we have people coming to us in from circumstances rather like the ones from which many of your ancestors might have fled. And therefore we welcome them because that is what people should do. That is what being Irish is. And being Irish-American is just wonderful. Remember that quotation that I gave to Nancy Pelosi. I said to her, this is how it is. And I'll tell you as part of the contemporary Irish scene, it's eight years now since I became president, and during my predecessor had established very good bridges with our neighbours next door in the United Kingdom. 
Since then, I, as president, became the first president to return the state, to make a return state visit and to speak in the British Parliament to make a visit state at Windsor with Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II, and all the members of that family have visited here. I would say that until this most recent discussion we're having on Brexit, there was never a warmer time in British-Irish relations than the way we have consciously set about, in fact, moving on realising that we are not required now no more than you are to forget our history. But we have to live in the present and we have to do things together imaginatively in the future. And my wish is that when we are past these present negotiations that are taking place, one part of it that is terribly important, in which you have a very, very important legacy issue, and that is in relation to peace on our island. There were many times when the protagonists in Northern Ireland couldn't bear to be in the same room with each other. And it was the fact that only, as I've said, that quotation you heard me say, that our Irish Americans had not forgotten, but also that they were still available to help. And I think of George Mitchell and all the others. And therefore, when people, things broke down, our friends in the United States, our friends in Europe, our friends elsewhere around the world, were the people who kept the possibilities of peace alive. So that's why it's your peace, as well as my peace, and the peace of the people on this island. And that is why we, in fact, actually uh, may place such stress in it. In relation to economic issues, trade issues and whatever, we can never, ever afford to let go, if you like, or make fragile in any respect the peace that now exists for the last 20 years, which requires our continual attention, north and south, from the different perspectives and different views. So in all of that, you can see, therefore, how easy it is for me uh, as president uh, to welcome you here. And if I may finish again in the ancient language, the Sulam Gamwinishiv, Ra agus banach ta sur kurt gudierin agus kamaldashin dan taoki is na stadet de hefin guim gach ra agus banach arifsha agus arurglan. I just say that I'm on your trip here. I hope you will enjoy it with health and happiness, but more importantly, for all of your families and relatives and friends back home in the United States, please bring the wishes of the President of Ireland for yours and their health and happiness. Mwili Buikas, thank you.